This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. Ephesians 4, 26, 27 says this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. It's the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Here's something we've been seeing, and uh, we're going to do our best to try to uh, press into this. Wayne and I really love to preach, but I, I will say this text is, is, uh, is, is Paul coming to this church, the church of Ephesus, and wanting to really pastor them and, and father them. So we're going to try to take that tone because he's really wanting to pastor them into what it looks like to live into the unity God has called us into. God is all about uniting what sin has separated. You can say amen there. That will preach. He's all about uniting what sin has separated. Sin has separated heaven and earth. It's a cosmic separation that all things were one. But because of sin, it's all been separated. Heaven and earth have been separated. And in chapter 1, God, uh, Paul gloriously declares that in Christ, heaven and earth are coming back together. That in that day, we're going to see this new city, this heavenly city come, and that this world will be all made new, that in Him, He's going to make what has been separated all be one. Chapter 2, he says, because of sin, God and man have been separated. But in Christ, we have been brought back into reconciled relationship with God. We rebelled against our Creator. We turned to created things rather than worshiping and serving our Creator. But in Christ, we get to be restored. And then in chapter 3, he says, if God can do this work, then he can bring his people together. He could bring his family together. He can unite all nations, all tribes, all tongues, all peoples, Jew and Gentile, rich and poor, old and young, men and women, all the things that will divide us, that in Christ he can bring us together. And I'm going to tell you this, the sound of it sounds glorious, but it's, it's like sitting down with a young couple who's about to get married. One of the things I love to do is my wife and I love to sit with young married couples who are about to get married and, and do premarital counseling. And, 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 and often we'll ask, tell us about your, your last fight. And they'll look at us with such romance and love. And say, Pastor, we love each other so much we've never been in a fight. And just with just with love in my heart for him. I say, let's talk after your first fight, right? You need to get in a good fight. Like you, you need to have a real good disagreement. Because anything you know about covenantal relationship, it's just because you have romance or just because you are in love. Once you enter into this covenant, there are going to be things that are exposed that will open your eyes to irritations you never knew you had. That you were blind to. You open your eyes and all of a sudden you realize that inside of covenantal relationship, anger is a real reality. Yeah. The temptation of 
people in strong positions, people of power, is to try to convince people there's no reason to be angry. You see this with pastors and leaders. Say, Listen, I, I'm, let's just be real, right? This is a family talk, right? Probably all of you at one point or another has been mad at me or one of the elders. And you can act shocked that I know it, but one of y'all friends told me you were, right? I heard it through the grapevine. You know, you were entrusting them with, I'm so mad at him. He didn't confront what I would confront. He didn't say what I would say. He didn't handle this. He didn't chase me. He chased this one too far. He did this. There's always picking apart of our leadership. That's, that's, that's a reality of being in this place. But the temptation would be, on my part, is to try to convince all y'all that there's no reason to be angry at. You see this in the divides between minority community and majority community. There's anger and discomfort and the posture of those who are in majority to say, you shouldn't be angry. To try to teach and say, there's no reason to be angry. You should understand where we're coming from and y'all are just mad because you want what we have. And we try to educate those who are angry, and you would think that the posture of Paul, who is a father and in a teaching position, would be to say, y'all don't need to be angry. There's no reason to be angry, but he doesn't do that. As a matter of fact, how many of us are shocked when we read through Psalms, which we're going to look at in a little bit, and David takes out his anger on God. He has no reason to be angry at God, but he does, and God doesn't seem to be offended by it. Matter of fact, he wants him to come to him with his anger, and there's so much of us that wants to stop people. Our children get angry at us, and we want to try to educate them on why they should not be angry. Or we get angry, and we try to suppress it. I have anger. And the truth is, if I hear about people being angry at me and I get self-righteous, the reality is there's many times I've shocked some of y'all who go, they're angry at you. And I go, that's cool. I'm angry at them too. True. I've been angry at a lot of y'all. I've watched how you've behaved. I've watched ways you've acted. I've watched how you've treated people. I've watched how you've treated me. I've been angry at you. That's the reality of being in covenant. You're not unique because you're angry at me. What is being addressed here is not to not be angry, but what he's really addressing is anger reveals something. What anger reveals is an emotion that you have that is showing that your love is being threatened. What you love is being threatened, so you get angry about it. Let me explain that. If you're in a marriage and your spouse cheats on you, if you don't get angry, that's weird. If you're kind of relieved, whoo, been waiting for that to happen. It means you didn't love them. If you are, and you see one of your children being advantage, uh, taken advantage of or abused or bullied, and you don't get angry. That's 
That's wrong. If you love them, you will get angry. The problem is, what this does is takes off the question of you shouldn't be angry because it is a right emotion to have, but it asks the question and begs the question, what is it that you're loving that's making you angry? Because it's exposing your loves. It's exposing what you really want. And the truth is, God is love. His default is not anger. God, many of us see God and we think God is angry at us. That's not true. God is love. But because he is loving, there is times in Scripture that he gets angry. And he acts in anger, right anger. We don't have a category for it because we think if somebody is loving, they don't have anger. No, if God sees his people, if God sees division, if God sees sin and separation, if he sees these, he should rightfully be angry because what does it show? God is connected in love to his creation. If he wasn't angry, he wouldn't be connected. That shows disconnect. So what we have to learn from this text, if we're really going to press into unity, y'all, you have to understand anger is not the issue. It's sin. Sin separates, not anger. So if we're getting angry, that's not what separates. It's sin that separates. And what Paul doesn't say is put off anger. He says put off sin. Because sin separates us. From one another. Like, even working on this and thinking about, like, having this conversation right here, but I think about, like, like my own um, journey when it comes to anger. Like, I remember just, um, just growing up and becoming more aware of the things that, that was that was making me angry in life. Like, things that was that um, personal things. Um, that 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 I knew that I that I had anger with and stuff, and then um, um, getting older and becoming more aware of cultural things that I seem to like have no control over, but seem to be so wrong. These things start to anger me, right? right. So what I started to do was to 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 chase after or look for um, for for groups that 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 centered around the anger that I have and, and, and gave vent to that anger, right? Because, I, like, where am I going to place this? And I'm trying to, to, to understand what's going on, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm frustrated, and I'm upset, and I'm angry. So I started to go after groups that's like, like this anger was, was, was like, tailored, fit into, into how they did things, right? Mm -hmm. and, 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 and trying to, to grasp these things. And, and one of the things that um, I realized as I was starting to like, look after groups that, that, that seemed to be angry about the things that I was angry about, and it meant a lot to me because that means they cared about them deeply, yeah, right? Yeah. But one of the things that was off-putting is that when I looked at the church, they didn't seem angry about some of the things that, to me, like, well, who wouldn't be angry about that, yeah. right? right? Like, 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 
when I, when I thought about the church and, I was, and, and examining it from afar and, and, and looking at how, like, there were people that seemed to be in the evangelical world that just seemed to be indifferent about these things that, that hurt, that really made me angry. And then even inside of some minority churches, it seemed that, that, that didn't, didn't seem to be anger that was there. They seemed more, more scared or oddly silent, like they were just being nulled to sleep or, or like, not being really real about these things, that, like pretending they weren't there. So it made me feel like when that's the last place that I wanted to go to. Like I didn't want to be um, a Christian kid. It didn't seem like they cared about the things that, that was really um, bothering me um, that, that seemed to be like coachy, like, like who's not? Yeah. But by God's providence, that's what he would end up doing is making me a Christian, yeah. right? Yeah. Now here's the deal. Like when I became a Christian, because... Um, I seen these things on the outside. Uh, I felt like anger was wrong then, right? I felt like anger was wrong, like it was taboo. You can't really express the anger that you had on the inside unless it was like some type of private corner or something like that. But you couldn't really express it. You Like there was no place for it. So what I tried to do was like just ignore the anger, try to like suppress it because I felt like being a good Christian, you weren't angry, Right, you wasn't angry about these things, thing that was that was really, really broken. But being a good Christian, I would have to be like disconnected from this emotion of of anger. And then what I would do is, um, in place of this emotion of anger, I felt the thing that you needed to place there was theology. Don't be angry. Here's some theology instead. Right. Um, the world is broken. This sin that's all around is that's just the nature of sin. God is going to come. He's going to fix everything. Here's the theology for that. Don't really be angry about it. I didn't have a place to put my anger. It almost felt as if if you was being angry, you were actually exercising faith and trust in Jesus. Come on, come on. But even though I tried to do the best I can to put it aside and like and cause it to just not be there, right? Because I wanted to be faithful, and this is what I felt was being communicated to me. Um, well, things kept happening, right? Things kept happening. Things that was just like bothering me, ripping my heart apart. And I found myself, again, wrestling with this anger that the only connecting point was parts of my life that I was trying to disconnect from. Because I didn't feel like, I felt like anger was wrong. But you, you really, you start to dive into, 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 into scripture and you start to realize that, that it wasn't my anger that was wrong and needed to be suppressed. It was my wicked heart that was wrong and wanted to leverage the anger for sin, right? And here Paul isn't telling them anger is wrong, right? And, 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 it, and it really gives context. It's like, hey... Be angry. You're going to be angry. Things are going to happen. Different people being brought together, living life on mission with one another, living life together, and you will get on each other's last nerves at times, and you will be angry. He said, be angry. Sin not. And really what he's doing is making a difference between immature anger and mature anger, right? Like he wants them to grow up. Right? This is what you see throughout this text. A few verses ago, we were talking about it, and he was saying, like, like, don't be like infants tossed to and fro. Right? right? And he's pointing out, point, pointing out the intentionality that's a character trait of maturity. Right. right? He wants them to grow up. Like, oftentimes, 
even dealing with our own children, right? And see them in these, these angry points, and they, 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 they seem to be throwing a fit. They, they're, they're flipping out, and you want to check them, and you want to get them in control, right? And, and, and you want to, to, to stop their anger. And we don't understand a lot of times what we end up doing is communicating that anger is wrong. Yeah. When really what God is calling us to be wise and stewarding and direction and then showing them the difference between an anger that is immature because it lacks intentionality and a mature anger that's submitted to God, right? right? You see, we want to linger here some and talk about like this immature anger and this mature anger. And I'm saying with that, here's the the thing I want to say this. Don't just evaluate your anger. You have to interrogate your anger. I mean, we got to get this. Like, You can't just, don't just evaluate it. Like, if you're just evaluating your anger, what you'll do is, like, you'll start saying whether or not you felt you got too angry or you didn't get angry enough, and you're just evaluating it, right? right. right? Or you'll start wondering whether or not you feel your anger was justified, right? You're just evaluating your anger on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, to to, to try to see if I went overboard on it or not. And I'm saying, no, 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 you got to slow down here. You need to do a little bit more. You need to interrogate your anger. You need to take your anger and put it inside the hot seat because your anger will lie to you. Your anger will tell you that it's justified. Your anger will tell you that I didn't get that angry, right? You need to put it on a hot seat to find out what is the real heart of my anger. What am I really, really angry about, right? You see, you need to know and understand if this anger that I'm having is really immature, if I, am, am I really like an infant right now, throwing a fit, right? Understanding the difference between immature anger that's ungodly and mature anger that's centered in God. So I want to look at this, this thing of immature anger and mature anger, right? And, and what we want to do is look at the character of Jesus, right? So we can get our cues of, 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 of the difference between immature anger and mature anger, right? So I want to put this thing up um, from... From, from Paul Miller in his book, Love Walked Among Us. And, 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 and I'm putting this up in context to immature anger, right? He says, remarkably, Jesus never gets angry when people hurt him. The very point where we might blow our stacks. Even on, a, on another occasion when Pharisees call him demon-possessed, he responds matter-of-factly. Because he holds onto his time and schedule so lightly, He doesn't get irritated at being interrupted because he owns so little, he has so little fuel for the fire. You see, immature anger is centered around self. That's the the, the flowing point of of this anger. It it only looks through the lens of self. I start with me and I stop with me. Immature anger says says there's this thing that that I'm hurt and I'm upset and this thing is really frustrating me and, 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 and I only see me inside of it. So now inside of it, it eclipses the other. 
Immature anger is no longer even caring about the other. Immature anger says, man, my hurt is primary right now. How I feel is primary right now. That wasn't fair what you did with what you did to me and what happened. And it's, and, and, and it's, it's starting there and it's ending there. And, and Paul is saying, this is immature. This is childish anger. But mature anger, right? I want to give context to this, right? Mature anger, here's a, for that same thing, he follows up in, in, in the book Love Walked Among Us, and he says, yet he gets upset with injustice and hypocrisy in others when compassion is blocked. His anger is centered on others' welfare. He also gets upset when anything that inhibits faith, like the disciples block the faith of the little children, the money changers block the faith of the non-Jews. Jesus gets angry at anything that prevents love to people, compassion, or dependence on God, faith. You see, mature anger is focused on others, right? Immature anger is just focus on me. But mature anger is focused on others. See, it looks through the lens of unity, right? And, and, and let, me, let me continue to get context to this. Like, mature anger, understand that self is a part of the body, right? It's not an isolated part from the body. Self is a part from the body, Mature anger cares about the whole, everything that's going on here, not just this particular part. And, 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 and I'm not saying that you're not going to be upset about things that happen to you. You're going to. But understand the context. You is in context to the whole. So this thing that bothering me that I'm upset about because it hurts the family, it hurts the body, it hurts the mission, it hurts the members. This is why this is bothering me and this is that mature anger that, that says, listen, God is brought together in this, and, I'm, and I'm upset about this thing that is different from what God is doing. And, 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 and just at, at the heart of it, when you're looking at it and you're interrogating my, my immature or mature anger. The problem with being interrogated is that we, in our anger, don't want to be questioned. So we got to put it under the light. And we got to put that light on it and go, is this not only is it immature, mature, just in what is our heart? Because many of us could go, well, my heart is right. He says, well, be angry, but don't sin. So we have to not only attach what is our, are we angry over the right thing, but are we responding as Christ is? Because here's what maturity is. Maturity is not just having God's heart, but it's responding how God would respond. You have to put both under that same category because what he does and how he responds is what needs to be integrated. And, and this is where you can be, no matter how much you want to be taken seriously and be seen as mature, when you see a little kid or maybe somebody who's growing into their teen years or maybe even an adult who wants to be so taken seriously, when you see him throwing a childish fit, I don't care how seriously they want to be taken. Right. A mature person goes, it's cute. <laughs> it's cute. It's annoying and it's loud, but it's cute. They, they're not taken seriously because immaturity is throwing fits. 
It's throwing fits. It's trying to enforce your own will. You respond physically in your body. You care. You, you, you're, you're, you're looking at it and not only just throwing fits. Another sign of immaturity is you separate yourself. You see, maturity is in your anger. Don't sin. You're throwing fits. You're isolating. Sin separates. So when you separate from those that you are angry from and you don't get near and close, it shows that you are saying, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to care. I don't have time to be involved in actually hearing and understanding. I really want to just sit in my anger. You try to gather around you a, a group of people who all think the same way. The saddest part for me as people speak in ignorance is it's easy for me to see maturity when I look at them and say, name some people in your life who actually you're friends with from that other community. You don't have any. And you're in isolation. And you tear down and you cut off. Because what you see in God is that he's slow to anger. It doesn't mean that there's never a time. What he's saying is he's slow to that place because he spends much time listening. He spends much time operating in the light. He presses into, he goes close to, and he sacrifices self. See, mature anger pushes us towards the other, not away from. You see, not only should we look at and interrogate our anger, but we should look at our response and put it in the light of Christ. And we want to take a minute as pastors just to give you a couple things that have helped us. And so if you could write a few things down, and we want to just kind of point some of those out. Uh, we want you to look at these things from the text, but also then we're going to jump into Psalms 4 and just preach. We haven't been able to preach this thing, but we're going to preach for just a minute at the end. So you, you all get ready, okay? Listen, listen, like, here's, here's the thing about anger. Be careful about separating too quickly, right? Because immature anger centers around self, there's this quick flinch to get to a, police, a position that's just self, right? Let me hurry up and let me run off and let me separate, let me get, and I'm not saying that, that I mean, sometimes there's a time for that, right? But the thing is with us, that time for that is typically on the top end, right? As soon as, 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 as it gets, as it hits in and I feel like I can't take no more and I feel like I can't handle it, where they're like, man, you are going to get to these places where you feel like you can't handle it. That's good because it said God is there to help you go through it. But what you do is like, well, let me back out and go to somewhere I feel I can handle. And that's by myself. I want to look at this Romans 12, 18 to 19, right? When God, God, he says to them, if possible, if possible, if, it, if it's possible, so far it depends on you. Like a lot of times we'll look at what the other person is doing. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. So I'm out. But in the midst of it, and that may come, but in the midst of it, so far as it depends on you. Live peaceably with all. Am I doing every single thing that I possibly can to pursue peace inside of here before I go to the point of, well, we just need to separate. So I want to say, be careful about separating too quickly because you may 
be walking in immature anger. Mm. Next thing is this. One thing we hate about interrogating something is it's only done as the light is clicked on and you're sitting in the hot seat. But you can only deal with anger. Mature anger only is dealt with in the light. Many of y'all are showing your immaturity in handling your anger by going to dark things. Drugs, alcohol, sex for relief and for, for freedom. You're finding all these different places and you're, you're justifying all of your darkness because of your anger. It's immature and you're not handling it where God deals with things in the light. You're exposing your anger to the light. And if it is pure anger, you won't be afraid to be in the light. If it's true anger and righteous anger and godly anger, you won't be afraid for it to be in the light. Only when you are selfish in motivation and loving of self and desiring your own comfort will you run to darkness. So, If you want to handle anger in a mature way, godly way, you'll run into the light. Here's the next one. Submit your anger to the Lord. Don't submit to your anger. Like, listen, God created us as emotional beings, right? He's given us these emotions. He's given us all these type type of emotions. Um, um, But... We are spirit-led beings, right? Now, the danger here is that a lot of times we want to be emotion-led beings, right? So when I said don't, don't, don't submit, like submit your anger to the Lord, don't submit to your anger, don't submit to your anger and let your anger lead you in what you do. Don't let your anger tell you this is how you handle that, this is how you do this, because you'll find yourself looking later on, all of us has been there saying, dang. Look at the calamity that I caused, and you're looking at the broken pieces, and you know it's because anger grabbed the hole, and I jumped inside the passenger seat, and I said, anger, take me where you want to go, because I'm just so angry at this time and moment. Nah, you submit to the Spirit of God. You say, Holy Spirit, and you bring your anger to the Lord so he can show you, first and foremost, so he can shine light on it, right, and expose it for what it really is and stuff. And then, and then secondly, so he can show you what to do with it, how to walk inside of it, how to live in context. We are spirit-led people, not emotion-led people. Spirit-led people with emotions that give us passion to how we follow the spirit. The last thing I want you to think about is that there needs to find a place of rest for your anger. Here's what you have to understand about something like this. It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let it go down on your wrath. A lot of people take this to the sense of literally going, I'm going to stay up with my spouse. I don't know how this got just only in the context of marriage. But I'm going to stay up with my spouse until we resolve this, right? That's what it means to them. They just contextualize it for marriage, and they make it just, we got to stay up and fight through this thing. Rather than realizing what Paul is really pressing into is that anger cannot just be left without a place to find rest. It has to have a place to be resolved and rest. Here's why. Because as 
we see God, we have to understand that he sees all the brokenness, sin, injustices better than you do. He sees all of it. He sees all the weaknesses. He doesn't choose to love a people because they do everything right. He sees all of it, yet he is slow to anger. He doesn't want us to, be see, us to see him through the revelation of that God gets angry. No, he is love. That's how he reveals himself. That's who he is. He is love. But because he is loving, he gets to anger. That means God's anger was not resolved because we started acting the right way. And many of us are waiting for the person, the people, the community we're angry at to be resolved when they start acting right. And we can't live in unity because of this idea when they start acting the way they should act, I will let my anger subside. The reality of that, just hear me on this. Brothers and sisters, even if they do try to change, your anger still resides. And it's still there. And it's crouching and it's waiting. How did God resolve and find rest for his anger? It's in Christ that he took all his wrath and anger and punishment out on and resolved it at the cross. That all of his anger was, was taken out, that, that we deserved, it was taken out on God. That he resolved all of that so that it could find a place of rest apart from our right actions. And you will never find a place of rest for your anger if you're waiting for your spouse, your community, other communities, people to start acting the way you want them to act and thinking the way you want them to think and saying the things you want them to say. It will only be when you see that the wrath of God, you've got to go to the same place. You've got to go to the cross and let your anger find its rest there. You cannot by default walk around as an angry person. Your anger's got to find a place for rest. We must be a people who are a people of love and a people who understand that at the core it is love that is, is what is at question here and the only place that we will find this rest is by seeing we've, we've got to see what Christ did on the cross as the resolve for injustices. You have been hurt. You have been cheated against. You have been, a, you have been taken advantage of. You have been marginalized. There's so many things that are true and have happened. And, I'm, and, and, and if we're waiting for that moment where everything is fixed, we will walk around in places of anger and we will not be able to operate as people of love. You see, we got to know that, that that anger is only satisfied in Christ and the satisfied on the cross. And, and that's the gospel. You see, we want to look at Psalms 4 right now, right? Because when Paul is talking to them, he says, be angry and sin not. He's quoting Psalms 4. 
He's, he, he, he's sharing with them on truths from the scripture. He says, be angry and sin not. That's Psalms 4. I want to read through Psalms 4 and just, and, just, and just point out some things as we read through this, right? Because, like, listen, because Paul is writing this thing, and, and what you see in Psalms 4 is, is this, this, this up and down thing that goes on with Paul, and he's just um, war with his emotions, and he just goes in. Like, you read Psalms 4, it says, answer me when I call. Oh, God of righteousness. And he put these exclamation marks there because he's upset. He hasn't been hearing from God. Answer me when I call, oh, God of righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. And he's, and there's these exclamation marks because he is frustrated. And then he goes on. He said, oh, man, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Say lie. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call. Know this, right? In the midst of this, in the midst of this, the pain and the anger, the Lord hears when I call. Then he says, be angry and do not sin. But guess what he says after that? He says, ponder in your own hearts on your bed and be silent like 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 ponder these things think deeply on it then he says offer the right sacrifices you see we, we we offer up the wrong sacrifices we offer up our spouses as a sacrifice we offer up our nights as a sacrifice we offer up our relationships with one another as a sacrifice he's like no 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 offer the right sacrifice you and put your trust in the lord there are many who say who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Show us the light. You have put more joy in my heart than when there have been grain and wine abounding. Like, we're going to look to get satisfaction in all these other places, but you've got to look to the Lord for your satisfaction. In peace, I will bow down and I will lie down to sleep for you alone Make me dwell in safety. Lead me in your righteousness. He goes inside this thing emotionally transparent and angry. But God is big enough for our anger. Like, he can absorb that. He's big enough. His shoulders are wide enough for our anger, right? You don't have to, like, shy away from God with that. He starts off anxiously angry, thinking about self, like, this is happening to me. That is happening to me. But he closes focusing on God and trusting God in peace. You see, most of our, our, our self-centered anger, our immature anger, is because you don't trust God concerning you. So you got to go to bat for you. Instead of focusing on the other. You don't trust God regarding you. So you know what? I just got to say what's on my mind. I just got to tell him this. I just got to tell him that. Wrecking things because you're not trusting God regarding you. Instead walking in how I look to serve them. Church, I pray that you see that as we come to this table together, what ends up happening is we begin to live into this gospel and enjoy it together because the last line of this, he gives us the why. He says, what we do when we act in sin and separate from one another and separate from God, many of us won't even run to God in our anger. We're so angry, we're angry at him. We won't, we've separated ourselves from him. We've separated ourselves from others. We, we're living in this place of isolation, believing that we're right and Believing we're mature and nobody else gets it. 
But what we've actually done is that we haven't realized, according to Ephesians 6, that we are in spiritual warfare. And in this spiritual warfare, we have given space for the devil to work. It says, don't sin, because if you do, you're actually opening the door to Satan and saying, come in and watch my kids. Come in and have space in my home, in my life. Come in and, and take a seat at my table. Come in and be with me and let this, let this place be a place where Satan can operate. It's interesting because what, what, what's this warning is, is that in this war, it's not against flesh and blood. In this war, we don't want to give a place for Satan to drive the wedge deeper, to separate us farther, to, 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 to disunify his family. We don't want to give that place, but we're actually inviting him in. Church, there are times that in righteous anger you should cut off somebody from the family of God. Scripture calls that church discipline. That's an interesting, he says, after you've done everything, you've gone, you've tried, you've, you've pursued peace and unity, you've done everything you could, they're rebelling, they're not listening to him. After you've gone into every length, and there's division, and there's disunity, and there's wars, and there's a, cut them off, it says, but, but it says, in that cutting off, here's what you're doing, you're turning them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh so that in the end they could be reconciled back to the church. Don't let Satan in and have room to move, but there are times where you've done everything you can where you go, listen, we don't want this, but go to the side you want to be on. We don't desire this. We don't long for this. But he's not saying, hey, when's the time you should separate? That's a keep pressing, keep pushing. Don't be too quick to separate. Don't be too quick to discipline. Please slow to anger. But what he's saying here is not when should you. He's saying don't open the door and let him in and sit with you. Don't give him space in your house to cause division. Don't open the door and welcome him in to make room and fights and wars and bitterness. This is not an issue of spiritual warfare, of trying to go and, and turn someone over. When do we discipline? When should we do this? This is an issue of us being so immature that we're inviting Satan into our house and giving him a space to work. But when we press into the type of unity that the body of Christ is supposed to live in. When we press into enjoying each other at the same table by His grace and partaking of His blood and working and eating of His body and we, we, we're united together, we get to experience a joy that we could never experience by being isolated and alone. We get to experience covenantal love and relationship. We get to experience the joy of life in Christ and in His kingdom. We get to experience real things, real life. Real joy. Scripture tells us this. Before you come to the table, pause. Pause for a minute. Don't just rush up here. But pause and interrogate your heart. Is there anybody that you are angry at? Don't go say, hey, I'm angry at you. Repent. It doesn't say, let them resolve your anger. It says, repent and reconcile. Is there... 
places that we haven't found rest for our anger. Before you rush to the table and partake of, of Christ in relationship and just, no, pause and evaluate your heart. Is there something you should repent of? And then come and enjoy. Come and enjoy where true life is in Christ. Where true relationship is in Christ. So we're asking you to do that. Just pause. If there's anything, you don't have to make something up, but if there is anything, spend time repenting and then come to the table and enjoy true fellowship with him and with your family. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. 